Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. People of goodwill are united, are uniting, and are preparing to do more. It's not happening as fast as I'd like it to, but I'm sometimes very impatient. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated with Tanya Goodin, the podcast that helps you untangle your relationship with your phone. Cause we've all been pushed around. This is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world. And about understanding why sometimes that's so hard to do. Because in learning how to step away from our phones more, we're actually learning how to focus more on our relationships, our work and our health. Leaving us happier, healthier and with hours more time in our day. I'm your host, Tanya Goodin, author and founder of digital wellbeing movement Time to Log Off. Each week, I'll be asking a new guest what they've learnt about themselves from the relationship they have with the tiny tyrant in their pocket, their smartphone. So this episode is a real first for me. For a long time, I have wanted to interview one of the original internet pioneer and founders. And I'm absolutely delighted that today I'm chatting to Craig Newmark, who is an American billionaire, internet entrepreneur and philanthropist, best known for being the founder of the website Craigslist. And I particularly wanted to talk to Craig because so much of our conversations about what's gone wrong with the internet end up being focused around how it's been monetized. The fact that it's all about an attention-based economy and the fact that we are the product that's being sold. And Craig made a very deliberate decision very early on with Craigslist to go in a different direction and to monetize it very minimally. And running throughout all his career is this thread of service, which he saw very clearly when he set up Craigslist, that Craigslist was a community service for others and that he wasn't going to go down the venture capitalist route of monetizing that in the most aggressive way possible. He felt very strongly about that. And in his philanthropy as well, he's followed through with the theme of service. And what he's now focused on is how he can invest in people, organizations, products that are helping clean up the internet, particularly in the fight against disinformation, information warfare and online harassment. So 
I could not be more excited that I got to spend 30 or 40 minutes with this pioneer of the internet, but particularly because Craig is so different. And I did feel kind of wistful as I was interviewing him, thinking how different the internet could have been if more founders had followed his principles. We had a really fun chat. He talked about why he always calls himself an old school nerd, what his alternative career might have been if he carried on in computer programming, which is where he was when he originally came up with the idea of Craigslist. We both shared our mutual disappointment at how Game of Thrones ended. I asked him if there was anything he could do to influence anyone to reshoot some of that series. It was a really fascinating chat. I wish I'd had far longer with him. I think listening to him will give you hope for the future of the internet, that there are people like him involved in trying to unpick the mess we found ourselves in. So I hope you enjoyed the chat. I really enjoyed talking to him. So hi, Craig. Welcome. Welcome to It's Complicated. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. So as you know, this podcast is about our relationship with technology and the digital world. And you are a first for me because you are the first founder of a major internet platform, brand, present, part of the internet culture, Craigslist. And I was thinking when I was prepping for this interview that your story fits the kind of myth, the internet legend of this lone geek. Well, you've described yourself as an old school nerd, I've seen in the past, with a simple idea, a brilliant idea that you develop and go on to have kind of global impact. But what was really interesting to me and really why I wanted to interview you particularly is so much of what seems to have taken the shine off the early promise of the internet is the way it's been monetized. And you, it seems, made a very deliberate decision with the monetization of Craigslist to go in a different direction. So your focus has always been on customer service and it's now very much on philanthropy. So I wondered if you could just tell me and the listeners a bit about how you founded Craigslist in the first and what were the ideas and the principles that made where you are now so inevitable? There was nothing inevitable about any of this, and it still feels very surreal to me. Basically, in early 95, I decided I should give back to the community which had helped me so much. I started a simple mailing list and just listened to what people suggested and continued from there. It proved to be successful. And at some point in late 98, there were bankers and venture capitalists who wanted to take Craigslist much further. They wanted me to do the usual Silicon Valley thing, possibly make uh, billions of dollars. But I remembered what I learned in Sunday school from Mr. and Mrs. Levin, to know when enough is enough, and I decided to monetize uh, Craigslist minimally. That is not altruistic. There's nothing virtuous in that. It's just following through with principles that I had learned long ago. So I've heard you mention Mr. and Mrs. Levin before. Are they still around? Are they, have, have you been able to tell them that 
what they said to you made such an impact all those years ago? I have a feeling that if they were alive now, they'd be well into their 120s. <laughs> so these were uh, two teachers at the Jewish Community Center in Morristown, New Jersey. And recently I uh, made a contribution in order to restore a uh, Torah that was damaged in the Holocaust in their memory. I have been able to thank a U.S. history teacher who was very influential to me before he passed. But those teachers were very impactful in terms of my development and values. One of the things I noticed about Craigslist is that you deliberately chose to make it a .org, not a .com. Tell me a bit about your thinking behind that. Well, the .org top-level domain indicates an intent that what we're providing is a uh, service. It's pro-social rather than a strict uh, money-making operation. In the U.S., the tradition is that if you are a for-profit, your aim is to serve your shareholders, and the aim of a Craigslist is more a focus on serving the community. I think it's really interesting as well. I was, I was sort of thinking about the comparisons between Craigslist and Wikipedia, and in terms of enabling community, because one of the things you've always done with Craigslist, or historically, is that you gave power, didn't you, to the community in terms of flagging, in terms of moderation, very much like Wikipedia do. And I was wondering if you thought you saw the difference between that and what other platforms have done and, and how they've struggled really with content in a way that Craigslist and, and Wikipedia seem to come up with a really good model of sort of collective responsibility that that helped. Well, the time for that reflection was well after I stepped down as a CEO from Craigslist. That was over 20 years ago. And frankly, by then, I had given up any management involvement or decision-making or any, even any substantial influence. I did follow Wikipedia from the beginning because Wikipedia is the first draft of history. Wikipedia, despite any flaws, is where facts go to live. And now I'm even, oh, working with Wikipedia in a number of areas to fight disinformation, to fight harassment, and also to work on the problem of how do the subjects of uh, biographies, how do you uh, update those biographies in a manner which is not only ethical by normal journalism standards, but exceeds the standards set by the Wikipedia community, which are very strict. Yeah, I'm always, I've been a huge fan of Wikipedia. I know, I know that it's had its critics, hasn't it, over the years, but I think, as I said, I think the strength of the community in, in moderating is so striking. So talking about your philanthropies and particularly, you, I mean, you've just mentioned it. I was going to ask you about it later, but let's go to it now. You're, you launched Craig Newmark Philanthropies in 2016. I wanted to ask you, was that date significant? Was it anything to do with the aftermath of the US elections or was it just putting together what you'd been doing, you know, in kind of in one vehicle, everything you'd been doing up to that point? Well, Prior to 2016, I tried to organize my philanthropic work under something I called Craig Connects. I thought that uh, branding might be useful and effective, but it entirely failed. So in 2016, 
I was looking for a better way to organize my philanthropy. Simultaneously, I realized that something had gone wrong. Specifically, in high school U.S. history, I was taught, as I like to put it, a trustworthy press is the immune system of democracy, and that in 2016, our immune system failed, and perhaps I should do something about that. So I guess two, uh, two reflections coincided that my prior effort at consolidating my philanthropy wasn't working out well, but I also realized that I needed to do something and I was beginning to understand what that something might be. Yeah, I was really struck by an interview with you when you talked about information warfare and the attack, the attack on the US being akin to the attack at Pearl Harbor and how you felt, you know, everybody needed to rally round and and kind of fight back. You you have given over a hundred million dollars, I think, to this fight, the fight against disinformation, haven't you? You're right, although I include in that things like fighting harassment, better cybersecurity for everyone, journalism ethics, and it's a moving target. So far it's at about a hundred and ninety million dollars a US and I'm contemplating better ways of getting people in disinformation uh, circles to work together more effectively. That's the biggest single thing I'm working on right now. So what's the most interesting project that you're involved with? I mean, there are so many, it might be difficult to narrow it down. Well, it's an organizational principle regarding the most effective centers wherein disinformation is being fought and where harassment is being fought. In the U.S., there's, uh, for example, the Stanford Internet Observatory work going on at Harvard. There's work going on at the Aspen Institute. I need to find ways to get people to work more effectively together. Similarly, harassment is a really big problem on the Internet. The worst of it occurs to uh, women journalists. So I'm working with the International Women's Media Foundation and other groups to figure out more effective tools for fighting harassment. Yeah, you've you've said a couple of times about getting people to work together, and I've seen that as a thread that's run through your philanthropy, that you're very keen on connecting people, aren't you, and making sure people can work effectively. Why do you think that hasn't really happened so far or, or hasn't happened in other areas? It does seem that disinformation is a war that's being fought on lots of separate fronts with everybody accusing everyone else of not doing enough to help. What what is stopping people coming together, do you think? Well, in U.S. nonprofit culture, it is hard to get people to work with each other in general. The uh, people in uh, any nonprofit area in the U.S. often feel why they should be natural allies, but in the nonprofit world, the perception is that people are always competing both for attention and for funding, and that's just uh, true. But in the case of organizations that I support, I try to uh, minimize that, and I'm trying to get people to support each other's work, say, by engaging people within my grantees through a mailing list I run. Ah, it is having another some mailing success. list. <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, it has... Yeah. It has had some uh, some success, but it needs to have much more success anywhere from supporting 
people fighting uh, disinformation, to supporting vet- war veterans and their families, to supporting pigeon rescue. Talking of pigeons, I might have got this wrong, but is it true that you've got two pigeons named after characters from Game of Thrones? No, <laughs> I think that was uh, that was someone's joke. Oh, uh, right. I, do, I uh, do love birds. And I'm uh, very happy that a tufted titmouse visited me about 15 minutes ago. And I believe those are English uh, minutes rather than metric minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But I do love birds and I may have a sense of humor. So I do support uh, pigeon rescue. I can assure your uh, public that pigeon pants are a thing (laughs) and that you want the pigeon to be wearing those pants before they fly lovingly onto your shoulder the reverse order is oh ill-advised. God. Yes, I can. Uh, I'm getting a picture now of exactly what that would look like. So you don't have a pigeon called Daenerys, which I'm very upset about because when I read that, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> uh, I love the idea of it, although I uh, still resent her uh, unfortunate turn of uh, events I know. at the last season. Yes. Surely, Craig, with all your influence, you could do something about that. We need the last season re filmed i think yeah it was very depressing Um, how it ended wasn't it i'm more focused now on a a series (laughs) called the expanse which i I do highly recommend okay i'm making a note of that hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe Ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, 
Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So, sorry, going back to disinformation, because this is an area, I mean, I've done a couple of podcast episodes on this, and it is something I'm really fascinated with. There must be so many organisations and people working in this area. How do you choose where to invest? Because I imagine, because you know everybody knows this is an area that you're passionate about, you must get approaches all the time. I look at the quality of the applied, very pragmatic work they do in terms of finding out flows of disinformation and how to disrupt them. And I look strongly at how effective they are as spokespeople in terms of the effort involved. Beyond that, I can speak to trusted partners in the fight against disinformation. A lot of it is across the U.S., but it does include some partners in the, uh, in the U.K., including, I think it's the Oxford Internet Institute. And my start intensely in this area was from reading a uh, NATO report. It was the uh, NATO handbook on Russian information warfare by a fellow named Kier Giles, who's, I believe, now at Chatham House. In fact, the Oxford Internet Institute have just produced a really fascinating report on cyber troops. Presumably you've seen that. Literally just came Uh, out last month, I I think. uh, I think so. A lot of work, similar work, is happening right now. I uh, do reflect on the irony that if my life had turned out differently... I would be involved in uh, cybersecurity full-time. Uh, I don't know if that would be on the defensive or offensive or the side, <laughs> or possibly both. So is that what you wanted to do then? Is that what you were doing when you set up Craigslist? Were you, I know you were a programmer, but was it security? Was that what you were originally interested in doing? At that point, I was doing software development work under contract. At that specific time... I was working under contract to the Bank of America to do one of the earliest, very successful home banking efforts. So Craigslist was a distraction to start with. Well, I mean, a kind of hobby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It uh, was very much a a hobby then. It was strictly a hobby for three years. In 98, it was a a volunteer effort that didn't work, which is why uh, in the beginning of 99... I made Craigslist into a real company, but that's also when I made that decision to minimally monetize, not out of altruism, but just the sense of Sunday school values. So you actually said not that long ago that by monetizing it the way you did, you probably gave away 90% of your potential net worth. Um, So I was Uh, wondering if you ever regretted that because of what you could do now philanthropically with that. Yeah, I don't regret that specifically. I do wish that I had more funding to work with because as a funder of these efforts, I'm a very much, uh, oh, a very small, very modest funder. But right now I have to figure out how to make the most effective use of what funding I have. Uh, That's a challenge, but perhaps I am learning to be more effective uh, doing that. In U.S. terms, I'd say I am uh, punching uh, far above my uh, weight. That seems to work. Uh, Bob, in fact, may be my uncle, 
I'm still learning who Bob is. <laughs> One of the other areas that you've targeted, you've been investing in, is uh, women in technology. So I know you support the Girl Scouts Cybersecurity Initiative, Girls Who Code, Women Who Tech. I was wondering why that was important to you. I don't know whether you had women involved in Craigslist from the early ages, and that's why. And what you think women specifically can bring to the digital world and tech that might be missing now? Well, uh, going back to uh, Sunday school with Mr. and Mrs. Levin, I learned that you want to treat people like you want to be treated, and that applies to uh, everything. And in present-day terms, I observe that we need all the cybersecurity professionals, all the STEM professionals, all the engineers and scientists we can find to move ahead the entire planet, and also to uh, defend at good actors against those people who wish us harm. That means a lot of support for, well, to the extent of my abilities and uh, resources, I need to support all actors who are operating in goodwill, who are doing work that I understand. That includes a lot of women operating in the cybersecurity field, and that includes professionals who may want new training or retraining. It includes supporting uh, girls in U.S. high schools in terms of cybersecurity or specifically uh, coding, because the groups I support include uh, Girls Who Code, which does teach high school girls what coding is about. Yeah, and of course, I'm sure most people know this, a lot of the early coders and computer programmers were women. It's quite interesting, actually, that Silicon Valley developed in a way that it became quite a kind of boys, boys culture, didn't it? Something went very wrong after the 70s or 80s, because when I went to college, there were a lot of women studying computer sciences, but something happened such that the women who made it into the industry, a lot have dropped out and a lot don't uh, study computer sciences until recently. Something went wrong and I don't really understand it, but my focus is on helping solve the problem by giving away power, meaning influence and uh, funding, and trusting people of goodwill to get the job done. When you think back to those very early days at the start of Craigslist, I actually, I think I've told you this, I set up my digital business in 1995 too. So we were, we were looking at the, the early days of the internet exactly the same time. I was wondering what you see now as the biggest kind of unexpected route the internet took or a kind of a shift now in how you thought it might develop back then. The great surprise and disappointment was the way in which social media has been weaponized by people who do wish us harm. It's been uh, successful, but people of good conscience are now uh, fighting back. I'm helping them fight back. To be clear, my role is very small. I help fund the people who are doing the hard work, the challenging work. Sometimes I... Uh, think that perhaps I'm funding the development of the arsenal of democracy. There are major funders doing more, uh, but typically I'm not only helping funding, but I'm also helping amplify the influence of good actors. 
So do you think Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey could be doing more? Do you, do you have a dialogue with them in terms of what you're doing? I don't really understand what has gone wrong. My dialogue with a lot of those folks, some of whom I know, is only uh, social because I help and fund uh, good actors who do have those direct conversations, who can make the case for better behavior and do a much better job of it than I could. Generally speaking, I fund people who can do a much better job than ever than I ever could, and I put very few strings on that. I do ask them to work together. I ask them to communicate better. I ask them to prepare to better act in their self-defense. And the heaviest burden of them all is that I ask them to tolerate my sense of humor. So you are from, as I am from, I think the age of idealism about the internet. You know, I remember those early days. I remember the excitement, I'm sure you do, of, of of what we thought we could achieve. The internet is under attack. As you say, democracy is under attack. Free speech is under attack. So many parts of the internet have been used by bad actors. Do you think the balance has now shifted to the internet and the digital world being a force for bad rather than a force for good? I think it's uh, very much a mixed blessing at this point. But in a way that's ultimately good, I feel that prior to 2016, uh, there were some unfortunate trends in at least American democracy. For example, the Citizens United decision in the Supreme Court, which made it easier for the... uh, Well, that equated uh, money and speech, and it made it much easier for uh, bad actors to influence elections with money and... 2016 accelerated that in a very bad way, but now we have the opportunity to not only repair the effects of what we saw in 2016, but we can build a much stronger democracy than we previously had, and I believe that we're doing that. What do you think we all as users can do? You know, if people are listening to this wondering... What can individuals do in the fight against misinformation and disinformation, in the fight against harassment? You know, are, are, there, are there steps that we could all be taking, even if we don't have funds to you know, help support some of these organisations? Well, people can support the work done by trustworthy news organisations and amplify what they do. In the UK, I hear there's something called the BBC... which is a reliable (laughs) source of information. In the United States, there's something called NPR, National Public Radio. There's the work of trustworthy news outlets like the Washington Post. Some of the best work, which includes counter-harassment, is done by Margaret Sullivan in the Washington Post. Regarding harassment, take a look at what the International Women's Media Foundation is doing. That's iwmf.org. And that's not ready to be published yet, but they already are doing good related work. So people of goodwill are united, are uniting, and are preparing to do more. Um, It's not happening as fast as I'd like it to, but I'm sometimes very impatient. So are you positive and optimistic about the future? Do you feel that, you know, as you said, we've now got an opportunity to... To put things back on track, do you think 
we can do it? Uh, I am very optimistic, and I believe that we are doing it. Um, the only uh, thing that might stand in our way is the fact that the uh, bad actors are very effective, very professional liars, and it's very difficult for someone who's normally honest to stand up against bad actors because no matter how much you debunk disinformation, they are always ready to come up spontaneously with uh, new disinformation, with a new lie, and that's a problem. I have a feeling the only effective tool against that might be humor. Somebody once said, uh, um, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh, otherwise they'll kill you. And I think that was Oscar Wilde. Was it? Ah, oh, brilliant quote. Yeah, I mean, it's not to put a dampener on the humour, but, you know, it, it is actually life-threatening, isn't it, disinformation? We've really seen that in the pandemic with anti, the anti-vaxxers. You know, we've seen the democratic threats in the years up to now. And then during the pandemic, we've actually seen that there are, you know, people who are not taking the vaccine, not taking the pandemic seriously. Yeah, well... The uh, disinformation, directly or indirectly, has killed a lot of people. Were it not for the, uh, let's say, secondary effects of disinformation, the U.S., at least, would have addressed the problem much sooner. There would be a lot less economic collateral damage, and hundreds of thousands of lives would have been saved. I know you're a very busy man, so I don't want to keep you very much longer, um, particularly because I want you to be <laughs> I want you to be making sure we can fight back against all this this wave wave of information warfare. I've got three questions that I ask everybody at the end of the podcast, which I'd like to ask you if that's okay. Sure. So have you got three words to sum up your relationship with technology? And the digital world. Uh, it's uh, tickety boo. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> okay, I love that. And what do you wish you'd known about the internet, the digital world before? I mean, I guess before 1995, before you started developing Craigslist. Is there anything that would have been helpful, useful? Is there anything that took you by surprise? Is there anything you would have done differently? Aside from the problems with disinformation, I wish I had understood some of the security issues intrinsic in Internet protocols, like for mail or uh, some of the uh, routing protocols in the Internet, and then uh, it might have been easy, easier to prevent problems back then. So stopping disinformation before it even got going, is that what you're saying? Or stopping uh, hacking or stopping, you know, kind of security breaches? All of the above. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, that's a really interesting thought, isn't it? If we'd actually managed to yeah, deal with that problem at source. And finally, what I wonder what you've learned about yourself from your relationship with the digital world, the internet, your smartphone. I've learned that I'm not as smart as I think I am. I'm not as funny as I think I am. And that sometimes my greatest contribution is to get out of the way. 
You clearly are as smart as you think you are, <laughs> and definitely as funny. So thank you, Craig. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Lost everything you tried to see Cause we've all been swept away, yeah Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.